You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, while everyone's being seated in this room, I want to take a moment and look into the camera and say hello to all of those who are joining us online on the other side of that screen. Did you miss us last week on Easter? We missed you guys. We're so glad that you're on the other side of that screen. Church, real quick, put your hands together one more time and welcome those on the other side of that screen. And hey, if it's your first time in the room with us this morning, uh, my name's Noah and I'm the lead pastor here at City Hope. And we are so glad uh, that you spent part of your weekend with us. I have a great message planned for you today. I wanted to uh, just begin a little bit different this morning with a song, and, uh, and I hope that touched you just as much as it, it touched me this morning. Uh, but we are so excited uh, for what God is doing in our church, and uh, man, what a, I, I, just, I can't go any farther uh, than to just recognize how powerful of a Sunday we had last weekend. How incredible was that? I mean, the Lord just gave us the right weather. I mean, today would have been nasty and cold, but it was sunny and 70 last week, and it was absolutely awesome. And I just want to take a moment uh, to just thank everyone who put that, put that uh, event together. There were so many people uh, who did all kinds of little things to make it just work. And so thank you, thank you, thank you to the team who showed up. <laughs> we had call time starting at 5 a.m. It was 5, 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, 8. People were there all, all day long doing all different things. And so one more time, I know we've clapped a lot, we've thanked a lot, but can we thank the team that helped yet last week? And, <clears throat> and uh, just absolutely incredible. And I'm happy to report that we had over 500 people at church last weekend. And yeah, that's pretty awesome too. And uh, and I don't know I don't know about you, but uh, I, I just think that God is doing a great work. Uh, I think I think you can see it in our nation, uh, but I also think you can see it in our region, and that is so exciting. I was with a group of pastors this week, uh, and we were just talking uh, we were talking church and shop and all this stuff. And I just uh, I just had to take a step back, and I just said, guys, I don't know about you, but God is on the move, and I. I I really do believe that, and I think you can see it in this room. We're going to have to find some extra chairs, and, uh, and so uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, and, uh, and God's doing some great things, and uh, last week, uh, I invited all of you to take a survey for me, and I appreciate every one of you uh, who took that survey. In fact, to give you some numbers from that survey, we had about, I think we had 83 people download the app last week, which was a, which was a big deal. Uh, and then over a, about a hundred of you filled out the survey, which was absolutely impressive. And so, uh, but on that survey, I got some good information. In fact, I've got some information uh, about some topics that we're going to do. A, we're going to do a series in the fall answering some of those topics. So I'm not going to give those topics to you. But what I do want to do today is report the absolutely most important information that we received last week. Uh, and and it, it, was, it was done in a couple ways. We had this question, a spiritual survey question, uh, that we had people answer where they are spiritually. And one of the questions on that was, that, was people who said, hey, I'm not, I'm not ready to receive Jesus yet, but I just want to consider what God wants to do in, in my life. There were seven people who said, hey, I'm not all there but I'm just right there on the edge. And so we're just, we're praying, we're praying you for that. And, uh, and listen, if that's you in this room today, you're just checking it out. 
You are way more than welcome to be here and just set. You don't have to give. You don't have to participate. You don't have to sign a membership covenant or do anything like that. Just keep coming back and watch. I believe God will do something great in your life, everybody. And so you just keep coming. And, uh, and, and not only that, but we, so there was, there was a, a four-part question here. The other one said that I don't ever intend to make this decision to follow Jesus. There was one person who said they never intended uh, to make that decision. And although they never intend to make that decision, everybody, that doesn't stop us from praying for them and asking God just to intervene in their life. And so I just I invite you, for the one person, everybody, that was at Easter that said, I don't think I'm ever going to make that decision for Christ, we're going to keep praying and fasting and believing for their life to come to Jesus. I'm actually believing that this is the, this is the, this is the good part, everybody. I'm believing that next year, this one is actually going to be one of the 11 at Easter Sunday who gave their heart to Jesus, everybody. Come on, let's celebrate real quick. Come on, that's like a master's golf clap. Come on, we can do better than that. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. 11 people at Easter last weekend gave their life to Jesus. That's absolutely incredible. I'm telling you, uh, we... Pastor Tyler talked to the team beforehand that we do it just for the one. Like, we, we put that whole thing just for the, the one that was lost. And Jesus, by the way, he, uh, Jesus loves the lost one. Uh, in fact, you read any of, there's three parables about the lost where they leave the 99 to find the one. And so the fact that the one, not only the one, but the one, one, the 11 were found. We are so thankful for what God is doing. And, uh, man, I, we have prayed for these 11 people. We've sent them resources in the mail. If that's you today, we're so glad that you're back and that you're joining us and that you're beginning this walk with Jesus. We're all on the same spiritual journey. Uh, we're just all at different stages. And so we're just glad that you've come to be a part of that. So I'm so thankful, church. I mean, what an incredible weekend we had. And I'm excited for the next season of the church. And... Um, I was going to start a new series today, but um, I decided against it. I wanted to bring you a message that actually I thought this message was going to be my Easter message. <laughs> and so uh, I, had, I had thought that this would, would be perfect for Easter Sunday, but I decided against it. And so I thought that this Sunday might be just the best Sunday to bring this. And if you remember, if you were here with us last Sunday, I talked about uh, all the different people that Jesus appeared to after he was resurrected. And so we talked about that and how it wasn't the most faithful people. It wasn't the most loyal people to him. It wasn't even the religious people that he appeared to. Instead, he appeared to the hurting. He appeared to the doubting person. He appeared to the one uh, who had failed and failed miserably. And uh, the one big declaration and takeaway that really I think you can take away from that message is that Jesus was resurrected so that your life can also be resurrected, so that your doubting life can be resurrected, so that all of these areas in your life can be resurrected. He was resurrected so that you can come back to life, so that you can experience the life on the inside of you. And listen, there's a lot of negative Christians out there who will try to tell you that, you know, God wants you to, God's not going to give you what you want, or God, God wants you to suffer in like doom and gloom all the time. And listen, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus himself actually said that the suffering, that the hardship, that the, that the bad things that we go through in this world, that they're straight from the devil. In John 10, it says the thief, the devil, is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But look, at I, Jesus says of himself, I have come that they may have life and that you might have life to the full. That's the life that God has for every single one of us, and that's the goal. 
And my goal as your pastor is to, is to give you, to help you, help you get that life from Jesus, to show you that life from Jesus that, so that every area of your life, do you know that every area of your life, can ex, you can experience that supernatural spiritual life in every area. You can experience it in your marriage. You can experience it in your finances. You can experience it in your mind. You can experience it in your purpose and in your calling. And you, like God, God intends all of those areas to have life and life abundant there. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Unfortunately, many of us are in this constant state of like, of, of just going. We just feel like we're always going down here, hill, like we're just deteriorating from the inside. And, uh, and unfortunately, this is where many of us live. Instead of going from death to life, we're going, we're going from life to death constantly. And Jesus, Jesus has resurrected. He's, he's, he, he, the, the, the greatest thing about Easter is the fact that he's resurrected so that we can, be, we can go from death, our dying areas of life, to life. And so, uh, in fact, I was thinking about how many people, we, we live in this, we do live in this, uh, this season or this uh, we, 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 sometimes I think we live in this culture of deterioration where everything just, just hurts us. And I found this funny story that I just, I just got to read to you this morning. I got it back here. Um, and listen, these, this story is not theologically correct. It's just funny. Okay. And so you, uh, it, it's at the end. So even if you don't get it, would you laugh at the end for me? Okay. Uh, so, Okay, so it, it says this. It says, on the first day, God created the dog, right? So, okay, wait, it's not theologically correct, remember. <laughs> so, it, obviously, he did not create the dog on the first day. But picture this. On the first day, <coughs> excuse me, God created the dog. And God said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes or walks past. Uh, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog said, oh, that's way too long to be barking. Give me 10 years, and I'll give you back the other 10. And God said, okay, I'll take the other 10, and he agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey, and God said, entertain people, do monkey tricks, and make them laugh, make people laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. And the monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10, so that's what I'll do too, okay? And God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow, and he said, you must go out into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun. You must have calves, you must give milk, you must support the farmer. And I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, well, that's kind of a tough life for 60 years. Let me, let me have just 20, and I'll give you back the other 40. And God agreed again. And then on the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life, and I'll give you 20 years. But man said, what? Only 20 years? I'll tell you what. I'll take my 20 and the 40 the cow gave back, and the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back, that makes 80 years, all right, okay? And God said, okay, yeah, you've got a deal. So that is why for the first 20 years, we eat, we sleep, we play. <laughs> Some of y'all already got it. We enjoy ourselves. The next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. The next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. In the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone who goes by. <laughs> Life has just been explained. <laughs> so let's pray. You know, no, no, I, 
right? No, that, that, but that's usually like, like, that's what life looks like, right? I mean, we're slaves. That's, that's what it is. And what, what I want to give you today is uh, something that I'm going to call the resurrection paradox, the resurrection paradox. And what I mean by that is that I'm going to show you today the life that God has to offer. And sometimes the life that God has to offer is not all shiny and perfect on the outside. It, it, what, what I mean is that it's not so attractive sometimes. But in fact, <coughs> oftentimes the life that God wants to offer you, you're not even going to want it. Because it's going to take some humility. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some things. And that's the challenge of even being your pastor and trying to get this into your life. Is because when you look at it, when you look at the life that God has for you on the outside, you might think, well, that's not the best thing for me. You might think, well, I know the best thing for me. I know what I need to do. But that's what a paradox is. That's why I'm calling it the resurrection paradox. A paradox from the Oxford Dictionary says this. It says, a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which, when investigated, may be proven to be well-founded or even true. <coughs> and can I tell you, this is absolutely true, this resurrection paradox. And so... For instance, to give you an idea of a paradox, when you see it in Scripture, um, it's these things that you, you, you never know how good they are until you just try them. And so I'll give you an example. So when Scripture says, give and it shall be given to you, you never understand that point until you actually take that step and give. And to us, that doesn't make sense, right? It seems absurd to give and then receive because I'm losing my money, right? I'm losing it. But God says when you give to him, it'll be given to you. Same way when scripture says the first shall be last. Think about that. Our, um, there's also a scripture that says that you'll find, you'll find rest under the yoke of God, under the, the, the yoke, an instrument used for working. That's where you actually find rest. Scripture also says that whoever humbles themselves will then be exalted. Uh, it also says that when you're, uh, when you're a fool, you actually become, when you're fools for Christ, you actually become wise. And, and then uh, my favorite one, uh, and probably a scripture you all have memorized, is that in our weakness, he's made strong. And so what, it doesn't make sense, right? That when we're weak, that he, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a paradox. And those all, they don't look right from the outside, but in the end, they're actually so, so very true. And with all my heart, this one, this resurrection idea, I really want to give this to you. And that's why I wanted to preach outside of a series today because I just, I just had this on my heart to give it to you. And I got a super, super simple idea for you that at the end of the day, even though it's a very simple idea, so many people will never take this step. They'll never take their next step. And everything in me, I'm, I'm going to give you three ideas, um, but I want you to understand this paradox. Let me show it to you. I'm going to show it to you in two places. The first place is really short in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. It says, if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. It's a paradox that if you give it up, if you, if you, if you try to if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to end up losing it. But if you would just give it up for the Lord, you'll save it. But you know that that's not how people live. People, you don't want to give up your life. It's natural. It's your instinct that you don't want to give up your life. I mean, this verse is so countercultural in the, in, the, in the land that we live in today. Because our generation, we live, we live in a land that is all about self-preservation. 
that we're all about ourself, meaning that, hey, if you put me down, don't you dare put me down because I'll take you out. You talk bad about me because I, I can give it back, right? I mean, that, that's what we, I'll, I'm going to stand up for myself. I mean, this is, this is the mantra of our age right now that, hey, that, listen, I'm just going to take care of me. I'm sick and tired of taking care of everyone else. It's about time I'm going to take care of me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's people who say that all the time. It's self-preservation. It's also, we also live in an age all about self-promotion. It's all about self-promotion. People are trying to think about their own brand, <laughs> like literally, because you have a Facebook account now, you have like your own brand, right? I mean, that, that's literally what people think, that they're trying to take care of their own brand. They're trying to take care of how you can find them or how many followers they have. And listen, you don't need to be so consumed with how many followers you have. And you got to be, you, we need to start being consumed about the people that we're following. Like, and specifically, let's talk about the person that we're meant to follow. And <clears throat> I'm just saying this is, a, this is totally against our culture. And not only that, uh, but we, we, are, we live in this self-indulging culture. I mean, it is just crazy. We think that if it's out there that I deserve it, I want it, I should have it, I should, I should, have every, I should be able to experience everything. I want to take it. I want to smoke it. I want to get it right. I mean, it's just like whatever it is, we think that we should be able to have it. And we'll go, we'll go to the extent of whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I want to indulge in it. In fact, it was Sigmund Freud who actually said and believed that he said that your life was all about pleasure, that the end goal of life is just about pleasure. And listen, it is not all about pleasure. That's not the goal of life. The goal of life is not about pleasure. It's about purpose, everyone. It's about your God-given purpose, that you're here to make a difference. <coughs> Excuse me. And the world, listen, the world is lying to us. The world is lying to us. And by the way, I can prove it to you. Because how many of these things have brought you life? How many of these things you can say, I've tried it, I've done it, and it's brought me life? None of them. Not a one of them. Things that you think would bring life, they, they don't. That's why you have to buy in. That's why, that's why I'm asking you today to buy into this paradox. And I want to show it to you in another context, a longer scripture with the same theological point. In fact, it gives you the whole story of the scripture that we just, uh, we just read. In Mark chapter 8, it says this. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on, on the way, he asked them, hey, who do people say that I am? Listen, the context here in Scripture is very important. The fact that Jesus would bring his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, this town, this is like, to set the picture for you, imagine like going to Bourbon Street or going to like Times Square. Like this is the place in the world where, where the entire world was represented. So Jesus takes them to this place where like pagan worship took place. Like it was all about self-indulging. It was all these things that I just talked about. This is the place. This is the setting. So imagine being in Times Square. Jesus and his disciples, he takes them basically to the middle of everything that they ever wanted. And he asks them a question, who do people say that I am? And they replied, they, say, they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But Jesus says, 
What about you? Jesus says, okay, I know all of the other people's opinions about me, but who do you say that I am? What about you? And I would say the same thing. I, 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 think, I think we live in, in an identical world. And, and I, would, I would just pose the question to you the, the same way today, that there, is, there are a lot of different ideas out there about God. There are a lot of idea, different ideas out there about Jesus. But what about you? Who do you say he is? I, I, and that's what, who do you say I am? And Peter actually answers correctly. He says, you are the Christ. Now, the, this word doesn't have as much punch to us today as it would have in back in the day because we think that Christ is just Jesus' last name. That's kind of how we use it, as, as Jesus Christ. We, and honestly, <clears throat> we don't understand the context of this. But when Peter would have used this word, the Christ, Christ actually means the anointed one to break the yoke of bondage. And so when Peter would say this, he's saying, you know who I think you are, Jesus? You are the anointed one who was sent here to break the yoke of bondage. Now, that has a totally different meaning to it, don't it? That all of a sudden, it's a power word. It wasn't just a name. It was something that described who he was. He is the Christ. He's the anointed one who has the power to give freedom in our lives. That's what Jesus, or that's what Peter is saying. And Jesus warned them. He says, don't, don't tell anybody about this. And then he begins to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests. He's talking about what's going to happen on Good Friday, right? <clears throat> that he's going to suffer, he's gonna, and that he must be killed. And after three days, he'll rise again. Now, the problem here is that this is not what the disciples wanted. The disciples did not want to think that their king was going to die. <laughs> That's not what they wanted. They thought Jesus was here to overthrow the Roman government. They thought Jesus would finally take care of all the government issues because the Roman government had came in and they were t and these, these Jewish people were tired of being oppressed in their own land. They were tired of the Romans ruling over them. And so basically they thought Jesus was going to overthrow the government someday. And what they were doing was they were fighting for their place to be Jesus's vice president. They were fighting to be in Jesus's cabinet. You know, like that's what they were thinking. And Jesus wasn't talking about this earthly kingdom. He's talking about a heavenly kingdom. And so they don't, they, they're, they're confused. They're like, oh no. And it says, <coughs> excuse me. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. So Peter's upset. He's like, no, I... Lord, you can't do this. I had a plan. I wanted to be the vice president, right? Like that's what, that's what he's doing. But when he does this, Jesus turns and looks at him and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. By the way, you don't want the son of God telling you that. I just, just by the way, he said, you don't have in mind the things of God, but instead the things of men. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, you, you, you've turned worldly on me. You're just, you're focused <laughs> on self. It's self. You're seeing it through the lens of culture. 
And then it says, <coughs> he called to the crowd, and he called along with his disciples. So now he gets everybody in, and he says, if anyone would come after me, he must, here's the paradox, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now that phrase, again, that phrase doesn't have the punch that it would have had back in the day when Jesus said this. Because to us today, the cross is just a piece of jewelry. To us today, the cross is just a symbol on, on a church building. It's a tattoo that we probably have, right? I mean, that's what the cross is. But to Jesus and to the people of that time, the cross was the place of execution. It was the place that people went to die a brutal death. That's why, we sang, I, that's why I really wanted to sing this song to just remind us today that before we got into God's word, to remind us that the cross is more than just a beautiful... I mean, Josh even found this background with Jesus suffering on the, with carrying the cross. I think it's important for us to remember that the cross is not just this beautiful thing. No, it's a, it, it, it was a place of suffering and execution. I'll give you an example. It would be like you wearing an electric chair around your neck everywhere you go. Honestly, I mean, that's, that's what the cross was to them. The cross was a place of death. And for Jesus to say, now, now think about it in that context. For Jesus to say that you must, if you're going to follow him, you must deny yourself and take up your electric chair and follow him. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says, for whoever wants to save his life, again, here's the paradox. If you want to save it, you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, they'll save it. What, what good is it for a man to gain the entire world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes back <coughs> in his Father's glory. And by the way, that's why we baptize. Because People, people will say, well, Pastor Norma, but my faith is private. Like, I don't, I don't need to go public with my faith. I don't need, what's the point of getting baptized? Listen, that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible, I've very clearly here, it says, if anyone is ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of them. That we're, we're called, we're, we, we're, we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. We're supposed to be proud to be a Christian. That would be like, by the way, that would be like me every time I leave home. It would be like if I took off my wedding ring. That if I only wore my wedding ring around the house, and when I, when I went out, I took off my wedding ring. You know what my wife would be like? Emily would be like, what are you doing? What, what do you think you're doing? And if I said, well, you know, I, I, I can't let people know I'm married. I might see some pretty girls tonight. You know, like, how many of you know I'd be sleeping on the couch? Like, I'd be out of the house at that point. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And that's what, like, and the... It's what Jesus says. I mean, baptism is really the wedding ring of Christianity because Jesus is saying, really? You don't want to be baptized? Really? You don't want, you don't want to wear the ring? Like, you don't want to go public for me? Like, I, what is he doing? I'm not just talking about baptism here. I'm talking about all of our life. What is he doing here? He's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to a higher place of faith, not to put us down, but what he's actually doing is he wants to give you the life that you've always wanted, that he's always had for you. And it's a paradox. It doesn't make sense up front, 
But it's so, man, when you try it, when you do it, oh, it so makes sense. It's the resurrection paradox. That on the other side of death, on the other side of the cross, is living. And so the paradox simply is what I'm going to put it here today, is that you can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have a resurrection without a death. <coughs> and so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we die to live? <laughs> it doesn't make sense that we have to die to live, but how do we do this? I did a word study this week through the book of Galatians. And uh, I don't have time to give you all the importance about why, why the context of Galatians is important. But I will, I will give you this, that in, in the book of Galatians, this book is wrote to a very religious church. In fact, they had a form of religiousness that it was just all religion and it wasn't the real thing. And so this book is wrote to them to try to correct them, which, by the way, Paul was, Paul was dealing with that. He was writing to them with that. And I'm afraid that there are too many churches out there who are in the very, very same way that are just so caught up in the religious stuff that they just can't, can't get past, past it. And, and if I'm honest with you, I just think that's where our world is today. I think a lot of churches would benefit from the book of Galatians, honestly, uh, can I just say it to you how I, I like, can I just be honest with you t- this morning? I just want to, just want to make sure, um, because this message is tough. I mean, it, it, in order for you to live, you have to die. And five times in the book of Galatians, uh, he, the Paul says that you have to crucify yourself. And I want to look at three of them today. Uh, and I know crucify, that sounds horrible. I'm not going <laughs> to, you're not going to go home and physically get on a cross or die. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But there are some things that need to die in our lives. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, there are three of them that I want to give you today in this text that I've brought you. So if you're taking notes, um, put this, write this one down. I know the truly godly people in this room are taking notes right now. And so uh, you just uh, write this down. <coughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but I need you to, uh, the first thing that we learn is that we need to die to self. I've talked a lot about self today. Yourself needs to die. Let me explain. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's I, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And by the way, Paul is writing this while he's alive, so he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about death to his spiritual self. And he says, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and who gave himself for me. And you say, Pastor Noah, now what does, that, what does that really mean? What does it mean to crucify yourself? What does it mean to die to self? Well, I'd say this, that if you want to live well, if you want to live the resurrected life, you have to have moments in your life where you can go to God in prayer and just say, Lord, you can have all of me. Lord, this is like... Like, you pray that prayer when you get saved. I prayed that prayer when I got saved. Lord, you can have all of me. But I just think every day is a good reminder to just say, Lord, everything that I am, all that I have, Lord, it's yours. And I, I just, I, I have a short moment that I'm going to encourage you at the end of this message that I want all of you to try. In fact, everything that I'm going to give you right now, it's, I want you to try it for the next week and see if it won't change your life. Like there's just these three dying exercises and I think that it'll change your life. And the first one is prayer. Is that if you would just, if you would just first die to self and if you'd have a moment every day 
where you just say, Lord, I give you my life. It's not my own. Lord, I don't belong to myself. It's not me. Instead, Lord, I belong to you. And Lord, I've been bought with a high price. First Corinthians chapter 6, that we've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. I, I, I just, I, it's the song we sang this morning. Just remind yourself, man, Lord, I was a wretch. <laughs> I remember who I was, right? I, I, I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. But thank you, Lord, that you made a way, right? I mean, just uh, <laughs> the breach was far too wide for me, but Lord, you made a way and you held me in your side. I, 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 just, I just love it. I, I, th I think every day it's just good to sacrifice ourselves and just die to our own desires. And, and which, just, just to die to my own ideas. And you know what that means? That just means that I don't, tell my, I don't have to tell myself what to do. I just, I say, Lord, Wherever you lead in my life, I believe that you have a better agenda for my life than I do. And so, Lord, just lead me in those steps. And, in fact, I'd encourage you, a prayer that I try to pray every day is just the, the, Bible, the Bible literally says to offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And so I like to start, I like to start my day that just, I just go from the top of my head to, my, to the, the soles of my feet, everybody, you know, like, and I just... Like, Lord, I give you my mind. And, Lord, I don't, I, I, I don't want to think on things that are negative. I don't want to think on things that the news tells me, you know. I, I, like, I don't want to think on the gossip that I just heard. But I want to think on good things. I want to meditate on your word. I want the peace of God to rule in my mind. And, Lord, I give you my ears that I want to be sensitive to your voice, Lord, and my mouth. So that, Lord, would you, would you use my mouth to speak blessing and not to tear people down? My eyes, Lord, I want to I see what you see. My hands, Lord, would you help me to do your work and to build your kingdom? My feet, would you just ordain every step, everywhere that I go? I just think it's good if you're going to die to yourself. Like, literally, let's, let's die to ourself. And, and, and Paul says, Paul literally says, I do it daily. If you want a scripture to memorize, this is a really short, simple, sweet scripture for you to memorize. I die daily. That's what Paul says. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is take your quiet time tomorrow and would you just self-surrender, just surrender yourself to God and say, Lord, I give you my appointments. I give you my, 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 my phone calls, my texts, where I'm going to. I give it to you. And it, listen, it doesn't take long, but you just have to die to self. The second one I'm going to encourage you to die to your flesh. Now, our flesh, I, what I'm talking about is the natural part of you. And so um, I'm talking about your emotions. I'm talking about the places where you are, you're prone to be hurt. I'm talking about the greed that you have in your heart. I'm talking about the pride that we all have. Watch what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. This is the battle that we have every day. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. Um, and, they, and they're opposed to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're just, you're, you're fighting yourself? You're constantly fighting, you you have a desire to do the right thing, but you just, you're, something inside of you, you're just fighting yourself. 
It's like, in other words, it's like you have an angel on one shoulder. It's like the little cartoon picture. The angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. You know, whatever you'd like. like in, and, you're, and it's like a tug of war all day long between your flesh and between the kingdom of God and what you should be doing. And, and you need to understand that that little demon on your shoulder is keeping you from the life that you truly want to live. And so what do we, what do, we do about it, Pastor Noah? Well, here it is in Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ, they have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and its desires. And so if prayer is the way to die to self, how do we die to flesh? I think it's through worship. I, think, I truly think it's through worship. I think worship elevates God and it lowers me. That I, there's something about worship that it'll just calm the savage beast that is just on the inside of me. You know what I mean? Like, you ever feel that way? Like, it just feels like, and, and it's what you experienced this morning in this room. Like, every time we sing these songs, like, I can, be, I can come into church depressed and anxious and, and, and running out of time. You know what the song said? Like, I just, I feel like that. But for five minutes... Like, it's just like worship kicks in, and it's just like all of a sudden, there's just this peace that you just can't explain. And all I'm going to ask you to do this week is for five minutes, turn on some worship music and watch, because you turn it on for five minutes, it's not just going to be on for five minutes. But I'm just asking, all I'm asking, I'm just, I'm just giving it to you, would you just try it for five minutes and just say, God, I, sub- I like all my hurts, my emotions... Like, would you lift your hands? Would you, I mean, just, would you just give them your heart? And so you, so you, so you die to self and you, and you, you worship and it brings peace to your soul. And listen, I, y'all probably know, those of you who know me, you probably know that I can be a very worked up guy. Like, I don't, I'm a worked up dude, everybody. Like I can get, and that probably doesn't surprise you, but I, I'm always my mind, it feels like my mind never shuts off. Like I'm always, always thinking about something. Uh, so, someone, someone said it looks like, I, I always look like that I'm, I'm always running late. You know, like, like I always like have it like this tense look. They're like, oh, I'm like, I'm like always late to the party. I'm like, I'm always, but what I'm doing, I'm always thinking about, like, I, I just feel like I can't stop thinking. So I'm always thinking about something. But when I get into that worship, it just brings the peace of God. And some of you just need that. And I just want to pastor you for just a moment because it would just be so good if you would just stop and just let your soul rest. Just let it rest. I, I was last week. So we at, at Easter, I got up at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And so I, I think I slept for like three hours the night before I was ready to go. And, uh, and so I just, I got up, I left Emily at home and I got in my Jeep and, um, I ran out to Riverside, and I just, I had the, I had worship music on. I was just driving the little loop of Riverside at, <laughs> at 3.30, 4 in the morning, just praying. Uh, and we, I, I was, I was, I was, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like, it felt like it was five minutes, but I guess it was a lot longer than that. And finally, someone, uh, I, I, I saw, I, I came up, and I thought, it's probably sketchy to be out here, you know, this early in, the, in this dark. And so someone came up, uh, just surprised me and got right on my tail. And it's like, you know, it's 4, 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, oh, God, it's the police? Or it's somebody who's going to try to mug me or something? You know, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I was actually getting, I, 
I was getting mad at it, you know, because I, I like, I took all the back roads, and I was, I might, like, my route wasn't making any sense. I was going back and forth, back and forth. This car is just, like, literally on my tail. I'm like, it's 4 a.m. in the morning. Get off my tail. Go find someone else to pick on, right? And so I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting real frustrated. And finally, I pull over, and it's like, to let this guy by. And it's Pastor Tyler, everybody. <laughs> He's just like, I was wondering where to park. And uh, I, just, I just get myself all worked up, you know. I'm like, and, I, and, there, and there I am. I'm in there listening. I got the worship. Every time Pastor Tyler's back there, I just, I'm like, he's, he's following me. I didn't know he was following me. I just turned up the worship music, trying not to be mad, you know. It's like, and, <laughs> but it's, listen, it's so true. Uh, worship is, I'm just trying to help you live. And a lot of you are worked up like that. I mean, some of you, that's, that's how you feel on the way to work. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're just worked up. And I'm just here to say that you better die. You better kill that flesh. Because, listen, the scripture says that if, it, if, <coughs> if you don't kill it, it will kill you. And so I die to self in prayer. I die to my flesh in worship. And finally, I, I think it's important for all of us to learn how to die to the world. And I just... And this, this, this one might be where some of you are like, this is, this is, this is a lot, Pastor Noah, to ask. But it, and, and, and it is, it is a lot to ask. But I'm just going to be very bold with you. And I think, I think that we just have to decide how much of the world we're going we're to allow into our flesh. Uh, I mean, some of you, I, look at me for just a minute. Some of you have way too much of the world in your life. And you wonder why you feel like death every day. Listen, you, you won't have the life of God if you're, if you're constantly trying to live the world's way. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, be more specific. I don't think... I was asking the Lord this week about how to be specific, but I don't think I have to be specific with you because you have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. And, I, and honestly, whatever I would say today to convict you of the worldly things that you're doing, I guarantee the Holy Spirit has already spoke to you about it. I don't have to say a word about it. And so don't listen. I, I'm not... I'm not asking you to listen to me this morning. I'm just asking you to, to listen to the power of God in your life. And that when you do that worldly thing that you know, like God's tugging at your heart saying, I, I just, I'm just asking you to listen to that. And I don't know, I mean, maybe you've been watching stuff or listening to stuff. And I mean, my question for you is just, Listen, if, if Jesus saw what you were streaming today, would he be pleased with it? And I think the Holy Spirit will tell you that. I mean, if, if Jesus saw what you did today, would he be pleased? And so, so Pastor, okay, I need to listen to the Holy Spirit, but how do, I, how do I die to the world? If it's prayer, if it's worship? Well, in my opinion, I think the only way help us die to the world is to remind ourselves of what God's word says. And in fact, look at what the apostle Paul says in chapter six. He says, may I never boast 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You say, well, how, how do we do that? Well, Jesus, Jesus actually taught us in one of the last speaking verses that he has in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, John 17, Jesus prays his prayer. And he says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Hey, everybody, the world has always hated the truth of God's word. It's no different today. The world hates the truth of God's word. And Jesus actually prays this and he says, but guess what? They are not of the world. We're not of the world anymore. And I, then, then I am of the world. My prayer is that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Jesus literally says that he, he wants to take us out of the world, but they, he doesn't because he wants to use us. He wants to protect us because he says they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. And what is the truth? Your word, Lord, is the truth. And so you ready for this? I got three things. It's a formula. It's 15 minutes. Five minutes on your knees asking God, Lord, would you take every part of me? Would you just, just pray and say, Lord, every, every piece. Five minutes in worship and let that calm the savage beast on the inside of you. And then five minutes in the word and separate yourself from, from thinking of this word. I'm, here, try it. I just call it the first 15. I preach this message about once a year. I wanted to preach it today. Just after the occasion of Easter, I think it's good for us to just kind of reset and remember. And some of y'all have been doing the first 15 for, for 15 years, you know, and so I, I would ask you to make it the first 30 or the first, first, first 15. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. The, the first 150 minutes maybe is where you're at. So whatever, whatever it is for you. And it doesn't have to, and, and there's nothing secret even about the time. It doesn't even have to be that, but I'm just asking you to make it simple. Five minutes in prayer, five minutes in worship, five minutes in God's word. And here's my challenge to you if you've never done it before. Give it seven days. Give it to next week. And you come back and you meet me down at the next steps wall, all right? And you tell me if that didn't change your life. And let me, I'll just end it with this. How else would you know if it was true or not? Yeah, I mean, you gotta try it. And I just think you can, I mean, Paul just says, you can never live until you die. And see what happens when you die to yourself every day. And if 15 minutes was a test case for it, why wouldn't you do it? I promise you, I promise you it's that good. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, that brings a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I thank you that the, the words in the book of Galatians, Lord, the words that Jesus, you yourself said on this earth, Lord, I thank you that they're still lighting up our path. And so, Father, today I just, I'm, I'm praying for the church this week. Lord, I pray that every person in this room 
I pray that we would really live, that we wouldn't have the fake life (laughs) that the world has to offer, but Lord, that we would really live, Lord, that the resurrection of your son, that the resurrection of Jesus was not just a one-time occasion, but Lord, it was something to bring us resurrection in our life every day. And so Lord, help us do that. Lord, help us when we're anxious, when we're hurting. Lord, help us when we, when we don't understand. Lord, help us to go to you in prayer. Help us to, to give that five minutes at least every day. And Father, I, I also pray, Lord, for those of us who are just, who just hurt on the inside. Lord, would you calm us and would you give us your peace through worship? Lord, let us just meditate in your, in your presence, Lord. And Father, Lord, I pray that every time we dive into your word this week, Lord, I'm thankful that you'll speak to us every single time. That, Lord, when we read your word, it's not just us reading it, but, Lord, your word reads us. And so, Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Father, I pray that you give every person the courage to take steps towards you, Lord. Take steps towards real life change. Lord, I pray that every single one of us would experience the resurrection power, Lord, that you've, that you've given us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for it today. You know, if you're in this room with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if, this, if it's you in this room and you say, Pastor Noah, you know, I've never fully surrendered my life to Jesus. You know, it could be you last week who said, I'm just not, I'm just not there yet. You know, I'm just, I'm right on the edge. If that's you in this room today, you say, I need to fully surrender my life over to Jesus. I want the life. I want the, I want the resurrection paradox that, that Christ has for me. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with us? In fact, the whole church is going to pray it together. And you just, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, would you just whisper this right there at your seat? Say this, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this and mean it. Say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Would you clap for all the people who prayed that prayer today?